Welcome to another episode of Talking Sports A to Z with Alex Bush and Drew's Logar. This week, we're going to get into the NHL making a comeback here um, after the coronavirus that was announced on Tuesday. Uh, an interview with, with my former colleague, Kevin Price, who works dig all things digital for the Corn Ferry Tour as a part of the, the PGA Tour. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into the, the match 2.0 that happened this past weekend. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Talking Sports A to Z. Alex Bush here alongside Drew's Logar. How's it going? What's going on, man? Uh, before we get into anything, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm just doing great. Um, the, <laughs> the NHL is back, so I don't think I've been this happy in a long time. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, we can get right back into it, but, um, you know, the NHL today announcing they're coming back with a 2014 playoff. Um, which, you know, date, date and locations to TBD, but, you know, just having that is the first, you know, big sport, uh, team sport, the first big team sport kind of to, to really, you know, set a plan in place and make it official, which, you know, I'm so pumped for. Yeah, no, I mean, it's incredible. Personally, I'm not a big hockey guy, but, uh, I'm a sports guy. And like you said, uh, it's, I think it, it's one of the big sports, one of the big uh, leagues that is taking the initiative to, to really set a plan in place to come back. So we've seen all the, the gimmicky sports come back, if you will, the UFCs, the, mm -hmm. the, um, the you know, NASCAR. NASCAR, I think even golf's about to. Golf with the match and just kind of trickling in, and we have some majors in a couple weeks, supposedly. So things are on the movements, but to see a team uh, sport like hockey make these moves to uh, to come back, it was exciting, man. So you kind of detailed it, but to give the um, to give the listeners uh, uh, an insight to what it was, I'll let you go to the specifics. But the top line mm -hmm. info is that the top twenty-four teams. Um, will 12 in each conference specifically we'll yeah. into the the continued season we'll call it um, so there are teams being left out but Alex how about you uh, kind of give us in, some insight toward uh, toward what you know so you said that the locations aren't necessarily yeah so I was about to I pulled up the exact stuff so like kind of they're in phase one right now where it's you know they have an idea uh, they're saying phase two in early June it's expected the teams will permanently or be permitted to return to home facilities for small group voluntary and on and off ice training. So not full practices, but, you know, captain's practices and things like that, where a lot of coaches will not be there or be in the stands. Um, and then phase three, not earlier than the first half of July, uh, formal, formal training camps will begin. So they're going to just pretty much start back up with training camps with guidance from medical and civil authorities. So it's all based on, you know, when they can. And then, the, the big ones, the, you know, phase four, when they're going to be 24 teams in two hub cities. So it's going to be the Eastern Conference will go somewhere, Western Conference will go somewhere. Um, and they're starting a 24-team playoff. Uh, the hub city locations could be from Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, L.A., Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Vancouver. Um, I could really see Vegas and Toronto. That's a lot of people have been saying that for each side. Um cool. But yeah, two hub cities, 24 teams are kind of what they did is they took the top four teams from each conference and they're going to play a round robin uh, where they play each team. And that's just for seeding while the other games go on. And then numbers five through 12 from each conference will play, you know, 12 will play five, you know, six will play 11 like that. We'll play a best of five series kind of for their entrance into the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, so then you go back to the eight team, eight team in each conference, just like normal. So, um, and then obviously they're saying like the, the Stanley Cup is TBD on where it would be because the, you know, the, the East and West would have to, to go to one location, but I'm pumped. That was a lot of information, but dude, I'm so pumped. It, it sucks as a Sabres fan because the Sabres are literally the first team that are, do not qualify. So we don't get to see them again this year. Um, but you know, I mean, we talk about football, basketball, golf, everything, but I mean, my blood's in hockey. I've been playing since I was a kid. So, you know, just seeing hockey come back and playoff hockey, it's going to, it's jump starting right into that. Like even people that don't love hockey talk about how much they love playoff hockey and the intensity it's jump starting right back into that, which is going to be incredible. 
Yeah, and I, I fall into that category of when playoff hockey is here, I'm into it. And uh, I, I really – it's almost every, every postseason hockey time when it comes, I, I always appreciate it every single year because every, every period that I watch is so fast, so balls to the wall, and these guys are giving mm-hmm. it there also. I'm not necessarily a, an every-night regular season hockey watcher, but – I think any type of sport, like how invested I am to these golf matches and they're just charity events. Hell, yeah, I, I know, right? <laughs> I, I even turned on the NASCAR event uh, the other weekend just because it's like I'm starving for content. For sports. Uh, for so it's um, to, if, to see that the, that the uh, NHL is really trying to, to get some phases together to, uh, to make it work, it's good. And um, – the NBA is not not at the level that the NHL is in terms of the formal agreements upon things. So uh, they're still a little bit behind. But from what we know and the, and the leaked information of what they're trying to do, it sounds comparable to that of everyone wants to be in one location. I hear Disney. Um, mm-hmm. It's still being floated around uh, about how many teams are actually going to be uh, kind of restarted and, and into it. So the NHL is doing 24 teams. I'm hearing that the NBA might just immediately start at 16. Well, so- I'm, I'm also hearing that they might do a thing where they cap off at like 60. I don't know how many games they got. They got through 60-something games, cap off at 70 games and finish your season, which kind of sucks for the teams that won't even make it But um, before the well, playoffs. But Yeah, so I, I had a, just a quick thing to wrap this up since I don't want to tie this – into too much of a basketball segment here, just your mm. reactions to seeing Damian Lillard today coming out yeah. saying that he wouldn't play if um, if there was no chance for his team to make the playoffs. Like he wouldn't even he wouldn't even dress. He wouldn't even do whatever they would uh, the season agreements would be if their team was gonna like still have games, but there would be no chance to, of getting in. So I, I, I want to relate, relate it to the teams in the NHL that are just being snubbed. So your Buffalo Stabers, it kind of hits home. They were right on the cusp of not getting in. So they were the 25th team out of 24 applicable teams. How do you think uh, – do you think it's a bigger deal that, that these leagues are going to have to be snubbing some teams that were right on the brink? or is it obviously more important that just the sport in general is back? Well, for that, I mean, you can say they got snubbed for a 2014 playoff, but, you know, normally it's a 16-team playoff and they were not even close. So I wouldn't say they got snubbed. They're giving that four-team – so going from eight to 12 per conference, giving that, like, four-team bubble is really smart because, you know, there's teams that, that could, could have made it at 9, 10, even 11 or 12. I got to look at the conference standings to be exact. But, um, you know, going down to, to those teams that are at like 25 to 30, you know, there's it's not really snubbing. And I really think that it's better to keep them home. It sucks. But, um, but I do think that if the NBA does this, they can't do something where they're <laughs> given, eight, you know, 16 total teams and, and snubbing the, the, guys, the guys that are at 9 through – you know, 11 or 12 in the conference. No, that, that's a great answer and uh, appreciate that. Claim. I mean, I agree with Damien. That's, that's, that's kind of where I am. Yeah. I, um, understanding the, the formats of a legitimate playoff season, like you just listed. Yeah. 25 through 30, they don't deserve to even be in the consideration yeah. anyway. So that's uh, that shouldn't be on the table for them. So that makes sense. But uh, yeah, man, like, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm very excited. Hopefully that, um, the phases, as you listed out, there's four phases. Hopefully they get on a fast track of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really can't tell now. So we can see it quick, uh, quicker than, uh, than not. And more importantly, hopefully the NHL coming out with this plan in place uh, kicks the other leagues in the keister a little bit of like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. it, I see a domino effect kind of happening. Here. Yeah, and that that would be music to our ears as the weather continues to get nicer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the energy in in society is becoming more and more positive, optimistic. Um, us with our podcast here, giving you guys content, we're we're trying to 
bring some good vibes every week with our, with our content. Um, and it'll just get even better if we could start to talk about actual sports, man. So I'm lo- loving it, looking forward to it. And speaking of the sports that are going on and keeping us sane so far, we have a great interview with your buddy, Kevin Price, who um, kind of is the, is the holy grail of, uh, of the Corn Ferry Tour, which is basically the minor league for the PGA Tour. All the, all the guys, the grinders that are trying to get their big break. So to hear a guy that's so passionate about the blue-collar athletes in that sport was yep. admirable. And when you guys hear him speak to us today, you'll, you'll hear that he kind of has an underdog story himself. So loved that interview. Um, and then I think – Bush, if you, if that's it on the NHL talk, I think you could kick it right to that interview. Yeah, I just want to say, do you see this? I got goosebumps because hockey's coming back. I just want to say, I'm, I have goosebumps. I think I'm more impressed that you actually look kind of tan there, buddy. Oh, I've been playing, you know, six rounds a week. But I got <laughs> no goosebumps, more, baby. <laughs> no more pale Bush. You're actually tan. Good for I you. mean, look at my face. It's, you know, the hat gets you right here, but, you know, you got a little red. There you go, man. That's no. okay. The back of my neck was literally burnt, so it's all Love good. Love it. Yeah, but with, but yeah. The, with that, with without further ado, let's uh, let's kick into our interview with uh, Kevin Price. All right, now we welcome on uh, my buddy Kevin Price, the uh, digital content manager of the Corn Ferry Tour, the uh, minor leagues of the the PGA Tour. I met him when I worked at the PGA Tour for the past year. Um, how's it going, bro? Doing well, sir. Thank you much for having me on here here in Jacksonville, waiting for the season to start in a couple of weeks. It's crazy, you know, 10 weeks down here in the pandemic era, and it's been, you know, silver linings with being able to get the longest I've been at home, really, in one place for a long time, but spent some time up in Buffalo, too. But, yeah, do, doing well, playing some golf, excited to get play back underway in a couple of weeks. Also, Kevin, I gotta ask before uh, we get even into the weeds about the golf talk. Uh, so you were down there in Jacksonville with Alex. How was that living with Alex and, and being? No, no, he didn't live with me. He just, he, he just, he just came <laughs> on a, a tournament. But yeah, <laughs> living near him is close enough. Alex is a character, man. How did you survive that time with him? <laughs> I mean, just being a Buffalo fan, it's kind of like a little some home comfort, you know. There's not too many Buffalo fans down here in Jacksonville, and having such a great year for the Bills and being able to circle the wagons and talk as we ascended kind of in the AFC ranks, you could say. Play, played a little golf. We played, we played an awesome par three course in South Florida, which is right on the intercoastal, the day after the Honda Classic that Alex covered. But, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Sad, uh, sad to lose him, but, no, he's on to good things. But glad to, glad to know him for sure. I, for I life, do have to sure. say that I have never played golf with a kid who has been – Wait for a tea time every single time I played with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not or, it's not or my one best minute thing. before, you know. Well, you know, I, I like to push it. There there are times I roll to a group and I have to like the group's walking to the fairway and I have to hit my drive and usually less thinking is better. My my first tee shot is usually pretty good. It it can spiral from there. You know, once the negative shots come in, they kind of snowball, but no, I, I do bring it close to the vest. I, I will. Especially when you, uh, I remember the, what was it, a month before I left or maybe two months, whatever it was, you uh, lost your phone on the top of Disney World, in the top of a ride on Disney World, had to map quest your way there like it was, you know, the 90s again. <laughs> that was a circus. So, yeah, I lost it on the Tower of Terror, fell out of my pocket. I was wearing gym shorts. I was not thinking through this clearly. No excuse for that. And I, I lost it down the ride, and I looked. I got back to a computer and saw the green light on the phone, so I knew it was still alive in some form. It was still sending a signal, so it was not completely broken. So I had to go to guest services and try to convince them that it was all good. And eventually, a couple of days later, they said they found it, so I had to drive home to get it, but I had no phone. And the highway was closed because of some accident or a fire, I think. So I had to go through the woods like the Ocala National Forest, but I was going north when I thought. I should have been, I was mixed up. I should have been going south. I was going north. I thought I was below I-4. I was above I-4, so I continued to get lost in the woods. It took me like eight hours to get to, to get from Jacksonville to Disney. Which is like a two and a half, three hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was absolutely miserable. 
good. I tried to have fun with it. I, I listened to a lot of music, but like I couldn't even listen. I mean, I didn't have my phone, so I was just like listening. I'm lucky I have satellite radio, so I was able to listen to that. But other than that, it was pretty limited. My my dad actually sent me an atlas after I told oh him. Oh my the story. god! Uh, he literally sent me an old Florida atlas, like Bring with it back. Bring oh, I love pages it. and stuff by the grid. But yeah, always an adventure, you know, Alex. You've just known me for a year. You probably get that sense already. I I'm just a little off. It's always a, it's always like a controlled mess. I'd say you know you got it under control, but it's it's not the way things are supposed to be. Whether it's, no, it's travel or uh, work, you know, anything. But no, Kev, I got to bring you back. You know, um, we've talked about this, you know, how you started the tour when, you know, you wrote your, uh, what were you saying? In Syracuse, you wrote your essay you, um, on the Corn Ferry tour. And, you know, being that guy there eventually, you know, talk about that. It's just been such a journey. I, I always pinch myself. So, like, I was little – I'll try to be pretty concise. You know, I can talk in circles. But oh, yeah. circle. circle. But I – um, <laughs> no, I mean, when I was little, I was a huge golf fan. Fred Funk was my favorite player. I would follow these kind of, quote-unquote, obscure players, you know, the journeymen, the grinders, like Omar Uresti, Jeff Rayho, Bob Heinz. Omar. There wouldn't be a Uresti. Omar Uresti. Uresti. <laughs> and um, – so like they didn't, they, a lot of them fell back to the Corn Ferry tour, which was on the nationwide tour. So I kind of found myself following that tour and wanting to learn about those players, but there wasn't really anyone covering it nationally full time. So I, I was kind of inspired just, you know, going to school for journalism and being a golf fan, wanting to kind of help change that. So I did my senior college project, the challenge for the honors um, project in journalism was to cover something that had not been covered in depth. I was like, that's perfect, the Nationwide Tour. So I hit the road. I went to five tournaments. Um, Cuse was great. They gave me a little money to travel. Uh I tried to stretch it (laughs) as far as I could. You know, I made 2,000 last five tournaments. So I had to sleep, you know, slept in my car a few times. My brother and his friend came with me to one tournament. This is just a quick tale. We were on the way in between Wichita and Evansville, Indiana. And I was like, well, we can either stay in the car go to this amusement park the next day worlds of fun in kansas city or we can get a hotel and they said let's stay in the car it was like 85 degrees at night three of you yeah three of us one in the front one in the back and my brother's friend slept on the top of the car and we found like a laundry mat like in the like the parking lot yeah so that that's kind of how it started 2012 and then i met people with the tour and freelance for golf world magazine had kind of a permanent job there until the print magazine folded in 2014. Then I was lucky enough to get a gig doing covering five tournaments. It's kind of like a trial at the end of the 2014 season with the corn Ferry tour, which was then the web.com tour. So from the nationwide to the web.com tour. Crazy. And I did five, drove to all five. Um, I was actually, I drove right from Connecticut where I was living with golf world to Knoxville for my first stop. And I asked, um, at the gate, they thought I was like an exhibitor, like trying to set up a stand and sell something because I had all my stuff in my car because I was literally moving from Connecticut back to Buffalo and diverted to Knoxville. So like they didn't want to let me in the media lab. But yeah, just different stuff like that. And then in um, spring 2016, I ultimately got hired full-time. They created a position for this tour and also for the PGA Tour Champions, the senior tour, to kind of have someone oversee the content for each tour. And I was lucky enough to do that. So yeah, kind of overseeing all things digital, all things that kind of touch the fans, whether it's the website and stories, whether it's video and graphics. I am not a graphic designer. I'm super lucky. We have a new hire who kills it and is awesome and helps make me look good for sure. But it's a ton of, you know, just managing all, whether it's the video content, the writing, the coverage, the features, it's just a journey. It's fun getting to meet all the players and meet all the staff and the tournament teams and, travel I kind of feel like I've been on just kind of this you know eight yeah, I don't flirt. I don't think you ever stopped traveling till coronavirus <laughs> the it was the silver lining I always talked about the silver linings making the best of everything and that was definitely a silver lining was being able to um be in one place and I took advantage and I went home to Buffalo for a month and hung out with my parents and brothers which you know probably the longest I'll ever really be able to do that ever just for a yeah. month and a full month and that was awesome and then I've been here for a few weeks since. Drove up there, drove back down, had the checkpoint Crazy. at the Florida border on the way back. But yeah, no, now back here in Jackson, it was, you know, two weeks from our tournament 
our season resuming here in Jack. So our first two, I won't even have to travel. I'll be able to stay home again. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love golf. I love storytelling, really. You know, I love getting to know the players and what makes them tick and what makes them interesting and helping chronicle their journey. So that being on the Corn Ferry Tour is definitely a great fit. And I still love it just as much as I did in 2012, just driving from Buffalo to Wichita. So the, the energy renews itself with the different stories every year, for sure. That's awesome. Kevin, um, it's a really cool story. The, the grinding that you had to go through um, kind of, I guess, attributes to the, the athletes that you're working with now at the Corn Ferry Tour. Do you sense a uh, kind of a less jaded uh, sense about these players? I know uh, when I, my time working at the NBA, um, a lot of the players that I was trying to interact with when I covered an NBA game, they would be less inclined to speak with me. But then when I went to cover a G League game, those guys are starving for the attention. They were so much, much more friendly and, and willing to, to do the media asks and overall just more uh, kind of welcoming people. Do you have that uh, kind of like blue collar sense? Does that come about when you're interacting with these athletes on that tour? It's totally one. Yeah. 100%. It's totally a part of why I love it. I mean, you get to walk up to the range and just kind of say hi and how everyone's doing and the players and the caddies and the reps, they'll see you and come, you know, just talk small talk about, you know, how was your trip there? What's going on about your teams, about the sports going on about the area just, and then that gets into other conversation and you can naturally learn a lot of things and it's a great way to do reporting is just hang out on the range on the practice days hang out yeah. in the short game areas and because of the accessibility on the corn ferry tour, whereas, you know, at the higher level, there might be more agents and managers in the way and stuff, not, not in the way, but it's just their job is to be there and shield and manage requests. And the guys on the corn ferry tour, like I, it's not like you get to the PGA tour and you become like, you know, who you are as a person changes, but you just have more stuff to do. You have more boxes to check. You have more sponsors. I mean, sponsors are paying you more, so they're asking you to do more things. There's more media. There's more reporters with asks. There's just more people covering it. Everything's on a bigger scale. The whole, I guess, more money, more problems type of thing, as they say. So at the Corn Ferry Tour, it's the perfect level where there's guys that are, like, one step away from the PGA Tour, pretty much have the talent, just haven't had the opportunity yet for the most part. You combine that with the great access and, like you said, with the players wanting, you know, seeing the value and being covered and doing media, participating. In. And I, I ask guys to do a lot of zany stuff. You know, we played hot potato with guys. We've had guys, like, play a hole with a hockey stick around. We've had guys do a Seinfeld scene recreation. In a Which was legendary. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was something. Harry Higgs and Lato Griffin, they were great. But, um... Yeah, it's just that combination of the access and how good they are really makes it super appealing. But you hit the nail on the head. Like, I, I can learn more in an hour at the range than on the Corn Ferry Tour than I probably could, like, a whole week on site at a PGA Tour event in terms of, like, unique information that I'm learning that isn't already out there. And I, I value that tremendously. Um, just going off that, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned the guys – don't necessarily change as a person, you know, when they make it to the tour. I know that just going on site at a tour event with you, you seem like the president because all these guys that are Corn Ferry alum, they're like, oh, KP, you know? So, like, you know, you built this this uh, this brand of yourself, you know, while working for, you know, the tour and the, the Corn Ferry tour and, um, you know, being digital behind that, you know, brand, but also you've be able, been able to kind of connect with the guys, um, you know, that, that come through the Corn Ferry tour. Um, I guess, you know, what would you say, you know, is your best, best part of about that besides hitting on 17 in front of everyone at Sawgrass? <laughs> that was great. I was sweating my palms. I was super lucky. The tournament, my, the president of the tour at the time, Dan Glad, was great. He gave me a, they gave me a special achievement award that year just from my work. At, and I was so appreciated. And part of the prize, they gave me a golf bag with the quest to break 80 stitched on it, which I, I shot it. He's still going, still going. Ago. I've, it's trending. The quest to break 80, as you know, people say when they're starting to shoot some under par rounds and good finishes, the game is trending. My game is trending. But, um, no, I was sweating. I got to hit with Chess and Hadley on 17. 
the one year and then with Keith Mitchell the next year. I mean, just so appreciative for that opportunity. And I love the whole acknowledging the crowd stick. You know, when I was little watching golf on TV, <laughs> I would be bummed. You do I that when we play in front of nobody. So. I do. I acknowledge <laughs> Literally, that I play by myself. A five-foot you know? bogey putt. <laughs> yeah, you got to wave to the crowd. You got to salute to the <laughs> the fans need you to know that you are there. So, I, I, you know, I'll give players crap for not acknowledging the crowd and stuff. But when I was on 17 and being able to acknowledge the crowd, it was really cool. I mean, I think it's just, you know, developing the relationships with them, building that trust and knowing, like, if they have a cool story that happens, they'll come to me or, like, they'll be more open to me in the interview. I mean, the best part is probably that. Just, I mean, the whole fuel for the whole thing is – telling the best stories and telling their stories and helping kind of be the connector between the fans and the players. And that, that's definitely the best part. I mean, there have been, I, I've been incredibly lucky. I got to go to the iron bowl with Tom Lovelady a couple of years ago. I got to go to a bachelor party for Steven Yeager got in Vegas, which we went to a concert Tiesto at Hakkasan and that stuff. It's great. And I, I love it. And I'm super like, I pinch myself when, when you ask the question and I take the trip down memory lane and I circle through my mind, I'm like, I am not worthy of this. Like I'm just <laughs> like kid reporting on golf. Like that's all I wanted to do. That's all I want to do. And at the end of the day, like that is the best part. The best feeling is telling the great stories, like being on in the parking lot in Louisiana. And I see this guy, Dan Maziota, who had played a couple of years before I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. We just start talking. He's saying he drove to the Monday qualifier and he was camping out and he's living out of his car and he has all his camp stuff in there. And I'm like, what the heck? And we, did, and we did a whole video on it. And it's just stumbling into someone in the parking lot who I had known from just a couple of years before who was comfortable enough to just kind of let me know what he had been up to. And then we do the video and then he goes on to have a top 10 and it's one of his best weeks ever. And then some of the other stuff, just like you – a player will be down to sit with you for an hour, whether it's a podcast or a written feature or like Lonzo Griffin, a couple of years ago, we sat down with him and when he got his first tour card and opening up about losing his dad at a young age and being down to his last few dollars and just telling the stories and getting emotional that leads to a great video piece or Harry Higgs being comfortable enough to sit there and scroll through his phone and tell stories, from, <laughs> tell stories from childhood and look at old goofy photos that, his mom sent and building that trust over time and allowing that to cultivate. And as well as being able to ask guys to go do those scene recreations and whether it's, you know, on the reporting side, I always say like the goal is to zany is always the word I use for the offbeat content, but for a good blend of reporting and zaniness is always the goal. But at the end of the day, that's the stuff that fills you is the telling the great stories, doing stuff that resonates people coming up to you saying that was a great piece of you did that that's the stuff that keeps you going for sure and makes all the, the hours and everything worth it the the one that you actually didn't bring up that actually i just remembered was when uh jt when jt was was asked about the uh favorite memories on the corn Ferry tour and by you and he acknowledged you it was you kevin <laughs> oh my god wow that was that honda yeah, a little over a year ago, the Honda in 2019. And I'm, you know, trying to get a quote for a story or a video or whatever, just getting ready for just whenever I get a chance in a press conference to ask a big name player, I like to get good sound bites. I did that with Tiger, even though Tiger never played the KFT at the players a couple of years ago, gave a great answer. I was shaking as I asked the question. But yeah, with <laughs> JT, I was like, oh my gosh. Like I realized like he gives a grin and he starts talking and I wasn't even sure if he would have remembered me, like I hadn't really seen him in a few years and the fact that he did and would give me that shout out. And then I, but I'm hoping I'm like this, please answer my question. <laughs> please answer my question. I still want to get the sound bite. And then he, and then he did. That's the sound bite. No, no, no. I know. I know. And then he for did. The love of the content. For the love of the content. But in the, yeah, the price tracker, yep. The price tracker did use that clip ultimately, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky to be able to do it. Like, like I said, I'm just a kid covering golf. And I mean, my goal when I was little was to be one of the best golf writers ever. And the job the industry has changed from, you know, straight up writing to trying to do everything. And I definitely still try to do features and take the time to do those when I can. But it's about kind of the whole content stratosphere, I guess you could say. And I mean, who knows what it will be in 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, like, you really don't know. 
likely be platforms we've never heard of yet. But I, it's like one of my professors at Syracuse told me, like, content is not in danger. The, the vehicle might change, the platform might change, but content itself, people, humans want to connect. And mm-hmm. storytelling is a great way to connect. Kevin, that's awesome, man. And uh, I think it's admirable to just see the stories. I know when I'm watching the tour and frankly, it doesn't even have to be PGA events or, or golf in general, any type of sport, when you hear about uh, kind of the come up stories and, and seeing these athletes get their big break. Um, talk to us about how many players that are in the Corn Ferry Tour, you guys are describing it as kind of like the NBA G League compared to the NBA. It's that minor league level to the big stage. How many of those golfers who are still some of the best in the entire world, what's the percentage that get brought up to the big leagues? How often does it happen? And is it, is it almost like once in a blue moon? Talk to us about that process for the golfers that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So every year, the top 25 on the regular season points list, it was money list, now it's point list, points list, top 25 get their cards. So it's a full just merit-based system. Every tournament is worth the same amount of points. The prize money might differ, but they're all worth the same until the final event of the year. So it's, all, it's usually a mix of young up-and-coming guys and then returners. Because, you know, each year for those 25 that come up, people will lose their card. People will be on the PGA Tour and fall off. And then there's a three-event series at the end of the year called the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, which includes numbers 26 through 75 on the Corn Ferry Tour list. So the guys who play well but just miss it. And then 126 to 200 on the PGA Tour list, the FedEx Cup standings. So out of that, there's another 25 cards. So it's a mix of basically guys on the way down, on the way up, fighting each other for the chance to get back up there. So it's very volatile. Um, There's definitely a few hundred people that have the talent if not more, to play on the PGA Tour, but it's a matter of opportunity. For the most part, the people on the Corn Ferry Tour are good enough to play, if not win, on the PGA Tour. And then, obviously, the European Tour is a ton of guys who are capable, too. Sometimes they'll come over for Q School and try to get on the Corn Ferry Tour to play. But it's very interchangeable. It's a churn. They always call it the churn. There's more churn than ever because you get on the PGA Tour and then you have to play well just to stay there. And if you don't, you fall back down and you have to play well enough again against guys who are young and up and coming and just as hungry. So it keeps it very fresh and everyone has such energy on the corn Ferry tour. Cause you're playing for something. You're playing to get back to the PGA tour where it's kind of 10 times the money, 10 times the stage, everything's bigger just in general. So that always keeps it fresh. But, and then if you win three times in a year, you get an automatic promotion this year with the pandemic, um, there will not be a graduating class. So it'll be a, like a combined season with next year because we had so many events that had to get, you know, pushed back. Right. But does that answer your question? It's, there's, it's a weird qualifying criteria. There's a lot of different nuances. Yeah, no, it. it answered it perfectly. And uh, just goes to show uh, with your answer how um, grinding of a system it is. People have to grind tooth and nail to get their shot. All of them are, are, good enough to be there but one bad round can totally screw them up so that, it's crazy to hear from uh from the from the mouth of the expert no i mean it's kind of like in a lot of ways college you know in college journalism and media there's pretty much everyone is qualified to work in the professional world but there's only x amount of jobs and right. you have to figure out how to differentiate yourself with you know internships and projects and networking and things and that was why i was like part of why it was perfect to do that project it allowed me to kind of differentiate myself apart from just being a kid a journalism major in college it was like no I love golf I want to work in golf I wrote this 120 page book just for free (laughs) because it's such a fine line like I'm not particularly more qualified like I'm not necessarily a better writer or a better social media manager it's you know a lot of it is timing and a little luck for sure and kind of being able to think a few steps ahead, I guess. And that's kind of like in golf, they're all good enough to play on the PGA tour. It's like at the end of the day, when you're on those final three holes, you need to make a couple birdies to get in the top five or the top 10 or win. Like who's going to come up with the shot at the right time. Who's going to be ready. Who's going to be prepared to know how to hit that shot. And every year it comes down to, it seems like there's someone with that do or die putt right at the very end. This past year was Doug Gim. University of Texas alum. And oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's just amazing, the fine line, you know, a whole year of play in all these different cities, and it comes down to the final putts. 
So, Kev, you know, things are things are starting to, to roll back with golf, you know, tour starting. Um, you know, you're going to be traveling again. How, how excited are you to, to get back on the grind, you know, after uh, being kind of kind of sitting here for, for a few months? I've definitely been getting antsy, you know. It, it was the perfect blend. I probably needed it. It was good. You know, my mind can spin and get frazzled, and I can stress out about stuff. So it was good to kind of unplug, not have the daily – week-to-week tournament cadence you know because every tournament week you have all the preview files you have the daily wrap stuff like it's just x part of the job that is just to sustain so it can definitely when there's a ton of tournaments in a row where are you out i'm you know i'm mini yawn just thinking about that and all this all the grind <laughs> but um so it was definitely good to take this unplug definitely ready to be back at it you know the first two are in florida so we'll just be driving a half hour or last last and then the first one i'm slated to go to obviously anything can change you know as we say fluid and yeah. dynamic situation and how things will happen but slated to go to our event in colorado in like five six weeks which will be awesome in denver and super looking forward to that i mean it's it's gonna be different though without fans you know the fans are such a part of sports and golf you know the corn Ferry tour doesn't get the biggest fan base per se but still like one or two holes they have cool hospitality areas you know 17 18 or whatnot and it's packed and people are around and people are cheering on the first tee and you have the energy. And like, I was thinking the final round of the Colorado event is going to be on the 4th of July and it's going to be interesting to have that vibe, you know, normally a festive athletic festival type of vibe. Cause I always say golf tournament in a way is kind of like a festival. Like it's a big ground. You can check out your different hole. You have a lot of different groups. Like you can really customize your experience of where to go. Or is it saying happy Gilmore, a rock concert. <laughs> All right, exactly. What is a rock concert? <laughs> it can get rowdy out there. It can get rowdy, yeah. which the players appreciate. They love playing in front of the crowds. I mean, you know, 16 at Phoenix is crazy. But um, so it's, oh, yeah. it's going to be different without that. But it will still be fun. It will still be cool. I mean, the players are still playing for the PGA Tour. There's still plenty on the line. It's going to be interesting, though, because the wind does not necessarily mean as much because there's going to be, you know, 40 or so events. The oh, season, yeah. Yeah. in the combined season you got to keep it going it'll take more so we won't really be awarding too many tour cards this year so it'll be interesting it'll be a cadence you know i've been doing this for a few years so you get into a cadence and this will be kind of a different one but i think all the players like just in general the appreciation for being out there the appreciation for traveling the appreciation for having the opportunity to play a game for a living i feel like this break has really like kind of that it's resonated and people just being at home and you get to think about your life and your journey here and what you're doing and your goals. So I think getting back out there, it'll be fresh. And I think in a lot of ways, Unplugged will have a lot of collective good on a lot of levels, including in my very small realm of covering the Corn Ferry Tour. But in seeing how that happens, I'm excited just to see, talk with everyone about how they've been spending their time, talk about what they're most looking forward to, talk about the new lease on life. I kind of like hitting the collective reset button. So yeah. as as you can tell, I am pumped. Yeah, I mean, uh, Drew. Unless you have any other questions, kind of on that, I need to I need to ask Kevin about the bills real quick. Mm-hmm. Good, ask away, ask away. Okay. okay, so Kev, Kev, what's your record this year, and will I see you at the Super Bowl? Well, all right. So the Super Bowl. <laughs> that was obviously know, the second I, part I, was I a joke. Get, I can't be getting too carried away. Second part was a joke, you but know. I'll see you there. Josh Allen, I love him. I love his competitiveness. I love his fight. I love – he's the perfect Buffalo QB. Is he currently a Super Bowl-level quarterback? I just can't say that. And I, I don't think he, he doesn't need to be. You what? He doesn't need to be with that defense. You know that. Oh, 2000 Ravens ethos? I mean, he's better than <laughs> Trent Dilfer was. No, I love Trent Dilfer as an analyst. But I mean, I think even Allen Peyton Manning's last Super Bowl, he wasn't that great. Allen's better than that. No, our defense is going to be amazing. I mean, what, we were probably top three in the league last year, if not statistic-wise, just in reality, mm-hmm. and keeping us in every single game. And they added people. They added pass rushers. They added – I mean, it's going to be – like, defense, there's no reason to believe the defense will not be better, right? We didn't really lose anyone of too much significance on defense. And it's then an offense – A couple of guys on the line, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, Jordan Phillips, right? And Shaq Lawson. And Shaq Lawson. So, but we replaced them, and but seems like replaced, it, yep. at, at the very least replaced. And I mean, the secondary, I think, 
could be incredible. Best. Yeah. I mean, Trey White is so sick. He's an all pro. The safety tandem is a top, what, three safety tandem in the league, you got to think. I'd like I'd, to say. I'd be safe saying top five. I mean, that's five. really that's a really good safety tandem, and they got them for years now once they sign Hyde next year. so. And they're just going to keep getting better. And, I mean, that second cornerbacks, I mean, if, if Josh Norman can – Well, uh, we don't know who the hell Josh Mor- Norman's going to be this we year. We don't know who he's so going to we'll be. See. I mean, if he, if he becomes Pro Bowl Josh Norman again – like that's I don't know about that, best. though. <laughs> but if he does, that's probably the best. Oh, if he does, it's incredible. But I just – I don't see it. But I hope I hope so. And then the receiving core is good. I mean, Diggs is huge. The O-line is pretty good, right? Uh, I mean, they didn't average. really need to um, do much to that after the overhaul of the line last year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a couple pieces that question me. But if they can stay healthy, I'm, I'm completely fine with that O-line. I got to jump just because this is making me nauseous. I can't stand Bill's talk. And when, Who's uh, your team? I'm a, you a Jets fan. fan. I'm a Jets okay. fan. So let, let, let's get down to brass tacks, Kevin. I think Alex mm-hmm. asks uh, what record you're thinking for the Bills. Well, this is my MO. I take a question and then a half hour Yeah, you. this is Kevin. I'm just letting him And we, and we love it. But uh, after a while, Bill's talk, I, I, I'm getting a queasy feeling in my stomach. That is- I mean, it's tough having. Give me the uh, the over the over uh, excited prediction on on the Bills' uh, record for this season. No, I'm I'm not going to go as far as Alex. I'll say ten and six because we have a really tough schedule. But I think the division. I think ten and six will win the division. I think the Jets will be improved. I think Jets Pats will be around eight and eight, maybe squeak to nine and seven. But I do think the Bills we'll have enough of those close wins and those defensive battle games against some of – steal a couple more against the likes of, you know, the Chargers and the Rams and the in the – maybe the Seahawks, that, those type of games to kind, of, to kind of get the edge. And I think the Bills' D will kind of push them over the top in ways that the Jets and Pats might not be able to. So, I mean – and also that we're due. We haven't won the division. And what? Since now. 93? <laughs> Since Jim Kelly. Yeah, we didn't even win the division with Flutie. So just by the law of averages, we're due to have a home playoff game. We haven't had one since 96. We haven't had a home playoff game since Jim Kelly was quarterback. Yeah, and they – He's mean, been in the Hall of Fame for years. <laughs> like, come on. So <laughs> come I think just by the law of averages and by having such a good D, and yes, a tough schedule, but I think the tough schedule in the division race favors the Bills because I think we're best equipped to knock off a couple of those teams. And like we have the capability to beat a team like a Chief, the Chiefs. Not saying we will, but in ways that I don't think the rest of the division really can. That, that's my, at this point, that's I my agree. take right now. I think it'll be a competitive division. I think everyone will be pretty close. I think the Dolphins will be better. I think they can, like, yeah. I, I'm not saying we're going to sweep the Jets in Miami. Like, at all. I mean, they are. I mean, there's. Oh. Do you really think they're going to lose to the Jets or Miami this year? Be honest. Come on. I mean, we I mean, almost lost to the right Jets through. last year. Yeah, we had the smoke and mirrors are Drew, throw it on it right now. <laughs> throw it on it right now. I'll, I'll throw a, a, a unit. Uh, that, that's a lit bet for me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the. That was quite the game. But I mean, I'm as excited as I've been. I'm just hoping there will be fans. I'm hoping if we have a home playoff yeah. game, it would kind of be bittersweet to have a home playoff game with no fans. You know? That would be so classic. That would be very yes. classic. Kevin, man, really appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, it's an awesome story that you have personally, uh, your grind to get to where you are now, and the fact that you bring the excitement and the energy to a, a, uh, a league that frankly doesn't get the attention that it deserves is uh they're very fortunate to have you and uh continue producing great content and bringing the energy like you always do because those guys deserve uh deserve it all thanks for coming on man thank you sir no I, i really appreciate the words it's an honor to do it it's i feel so lucky to be able to do it and to be able to talk to you guys and just want to have me on the podcast it's awesome man i appreciate it keep doing what you're doing keep rolling keep growing it I love it starting to – I'm on board, I feel like, in the early stages. This is what, episode seven? Yeah, it'll be seven. It'll be seven, yep. So we're right there. You're you're, going to become a regular. You're going to be our uh, Corn Fairy Tour plug uh, as the (laughs) podcast. 
Hey, always more than happy to join, guys. I I, I appreciate it. And I Go hope Bills. you break eighty soon. Full circle. Um, at, if I can break eighty, I'm, I need to get it going because I want to break eighty before the Bills win a playoff game. I'll obviously take either. Ooh, you got you got you got a few months. You got to hurry I up. I got to hurry up. I have like eight All months. right, so we'll we'll get there, kid. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> All right, bro. It was great having you on. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks man. Welcome back, guys. I hope you guys loved the interview with uh, Kevin Price. You know, Drew, what uh, I guess, what are your what are your takeaways uh, from that one? And you know, he's a just a beauty in my opinion. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, you could listen to that kid for days. Uh, that was the first time I've ever even laid eyes on him, heard him speak, and uh, to hear <laughs> the, the in depth stories that he has about these players, and frankly, the whole tour itself that doesn't get shine. Uh, it was admirable, man. Like. You, you, it's easy to root for the underdog and you have example number one of someone who's, who gets to cover the underdog and hearing that himself, uh, writing for the blogs part-time, you know, for, for a project, he was going in his car, camping out in his car, sometimes with his, Sleeping brother, in his, car. <laughs> sometimes with his brother and friends. It's like that you love listening to those stories. And I, I think everyone in, the sports and entertainment industry um, that are, that are looking for their break or even the ones that have gotten their break in some way or another can relate to that level of you got to grind to get to mm. where you want to be. And maybe not everyone is sleeping out of their cars from times, but uh, in, in a way everyone can relate to the grind. So it was awesome to hear about the, the whole tour itself and uh, really cool to, to talk to Kevin, but uh, I, there, Bush, there, there was actual uh, golf on TV over the weekend, the match 2.0. So we had Tiger Woods, number one in the world, uh, number one U.S. golfer, was matched up with the number two all-time quarterback in Peyton Manning. And then on the other side, the second U.S. golfer of Phil Mickelson with the GOAT. We can probably agree with that with Tom Brady. So four of those guys. Uh, four, I mean, four GOATs. <laughs> yeah. Four goats in, <laughs> in their own right, for sure. And uh, it was awesome, man. About a four-plus-hour uh, event on uh, a, a medley of networks. I, networks I watched on TNT, mm-hmm. but uh, it was good, man. Pouring at one point, then it was uh, not was horrible. Almost looks like some uh, s- sun was going to peek through the clouds, and then it started to rain again. Like the weather was crazy. Tom Brady, <laughs> Peyton Manning was great. Uh, Tiger was zoned in and you saw how competitive he was taking even this charity event. So uh, don't forget about sideline reporter JT. Yeah, man. So (laughs) he was awesome. (laughs) What what were your uh, thoughts about the whole thing? Cause I I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I, so funny story. I was, uh, I was out golfing with uh, my dad um, on Sunday. We play, we teed off at like, I don't even remember, but all I remember is that we were, we were going down 18. I'm like, Oh shit, I'm going to miss the beginning. And it's delayed because of rain. Like you see, Oh my God, like it's horrible weather. These guys are in the, on the range in the downpour. And, you know, by the time I got back, um, they were in the fairway in the first hole. So it was good to, good to not really miss anything, but it was great. Um, I mean, it, it, it went as expected, honestly, even better, you know, after last year, like I think the tiger versus Phil part one was a little bit of a letdown because, it wasn't as electric as you would have thought that the, the smack talking was okay, but it wasn't, um, you know, terrific, but this was a whole different animal between Peyton, Tom, Tiger, and Phil, there was so much shit talking and it was, it was funny. There were some where you're like, okay, this is stupid, but there were, you know, some good jokes. I loved when they're on the range and Peyton's like, yeah, you know, Gronk will do anything. He could, he could caddy for him. You know, I should have brought I should have brought Eli or even Nick Foles. And Tom's like, that's a cheap shot. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Yeah. But um, I mean, you know, I picked Tiger and Peyton. You should have listened to me. That's all I gotta say. You know, it came down to the the last hole though. But um, you know, it was great to see the guys at it. Um, you know, Peyton looks in <laughs> full retirement mode right now. He's striping it. Uh Tiger is gonna win three out of four majors at least right now. He's striping it. <laughs> Tiger, Tiger might go for Tiger Slam Part Two this year, um, but no, I mean, 
the thing that I need to bring up because it pissed the hell out of me. I tweeted about this. Dude, okay, so Tom Brady is out there. He's like an eight handicap, which I'm also an eight, so I, I relate to his game pretty well. And he, um, people are just roasting him, acting like, you know, how's this guy an eight handicap, et cetera. But, like, for just, just so I, I don't go on a crazy tangent, these guys are on national TV for the – for one of their first times in golf. I don't care if you're a Super Bowl champion. It's a whole different monster. You've seen Charles Barkley when he when he asked to hit in front of someone. But basically, people are roasting Tom Brady and then not in Tom fashion, just dunks a birdie on a par five. That he dunks it from like 150 out. Yeah. Just like the biggest F you, most Tom Brady thing ever. But I, I think that like the people that are that are like casual golf fans, like Watch it, have fun, you know, love it, but don't get into the talk about handicaps when you really don't understand it. Because I think a lot of people are doing that. And a lot of people I saw that, like, you know, I don't see talking about golf a lot. Um, we're trying to talk about Tom Brady's handicap when they don't realize Tom Brady at an eight handicap probably shoots around mid eighties at medalist because it's such a tough course. And, um, you know, you add in the TV, then the, the, the match atmosphere, the terrible conditions, you know, everything like, um, that's my short rant. I tweeted about it, so I'm done. I'm, I'm done with it. But your boy made some coin, and okay. I really think that you know you got to listen to me because I hit everyone except for one bet, and the one bet was kind of one that I really probably shouldn't have bet. I thought it was had an all right chance at it, but the club twirls was over by hole six. I think it was the over. That was easy. He club twirled on the first tee, and I'm like, oh, this is. I should have put a thousand on this, and um the i think the 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 Peyton commercials was over by the front nine there was i i saw at least two or three by whole ten and the you know the match was easy it was you know i think i just hit about 50 points and rambled for about way too long but you know uh i know you were we were texting during it you know what did you what do you think what do you think of the whole thing as a whole especially you know you probably i doubt you've seen you know tom or Peyton play golf before I've, I've only seen him a couple times yeah no in general yeah I agree with uh, all of what you were saying it was awesome to uh, to watch it I thought it brought like a unique flair and to be honest here having these guys mic'd up I like watching golf like I, I love watching weekend golf nothing better when it's summertime and the the Masters is on and, and watching all these tournaments love those Sunday afternoons of, of golf being on. But for the, for the more casual fan, I really think that the production that went into this weekend's mm -hmm. event was, was just perfectly done, man. Like whoever knew that Justin Thomas was so funny, frankly, dude, when he called Charles Barkley a fat ass, I freaking fell off my chair. <laughs> Justin was Thomas was so funny. Uh, I, I thought, Phil Mickelson talked his ass off, but in a good way. Like Phil yeah. Mickelson, he whenever he decides to retire, he might transition to the to the seniors tour and win another thirty majors there. But uh, <laughs> but if he wants to call it quits, he has a career in broadcasting. The dude For is sure. hilarious. For sure. And when Justin Thomas would go over to him and say like, "Okay, before you hit this little chip onto the green, Phil, like, what are you seeing?" And the fact that he would go like, okay, well, right now I'm seeing that since it's wet, the greens are slow, first of all. Then he was like, all right, if you look over there on the ridge, it's a little more like dark green. So I know it's going to be quicker, whatever. Now I'm paraphrasing. But he was going mm -hmm. in depth in his explanation. And then he no. chipped it and literally did exactly what he said. And I, it just brought me to think like, damn, I don't know if they were able to to bring this into real golf in some way, I get it. You're not going to be able to have Tiger Woods mic'd up on the back nine of Augusta on Sunday. But, Imagine. But maybe it's, maybe it's by Sunday you have one of the golfers that is more well-known that got, that didn't make the cut. Maybe he becomes kind of like the on field or on the on pitch, uh, you know, reporter and, and following along. It just, it just brought a, a sense of uh, calmness. And mm -hmm. in a way, golf, we love it and we love to watch it because we play it. 
and when a when a professional hits it into the water and they get a hazard and uh or they hit it out of bounds it's like we can relate to that and <laughs> and with the the microphones this weekend i think it brought even more of a damn i i love this man hearing tom in those first holes i know you don't want to have people show no he was bad in the first holes i won't disagree terrible and and to kind of see how fuming he was and well the best part was he had to try to like know like oh i'm on tv let's be smart but 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 even that was so relatable it it was so relatable he chunked that or duff that drive i was like been there before (laughs) yeah and uh you brought up the, the chirping that peyton was doing but in a way yeah there was chirping going on but like the mutual respect of all. Four. Oh, it was all in good. It fun. was so powerful. And like, those guys are so important to sports and to their individual sports They're That's why they got picked for this event. So all in all, man, it was, it was an exceptional time. I think, yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I think that like the fact that like you touched on this at the end, but this entire event made you realize like, like it was so relatable. Like I even talked about last week, like guys, you know, the guys playing in shorts. Now they're on carts. Incredible carts, by the way, those custom carts were dope. Oh, oh my so God. Dope. So the tigers was so badass. It's unreal. Bro. If they, if I have one goal in life is I need to own a cart for like just my house. It's just like, yo, like, yeah, like, like one of the old guys in Florida that has their cart and they drive it to the course uh, from their condo. Like, like <laughs> It's like, dude, I, like beers with the boys in the neighborhood. Like, all right, honey, like I'm going. And I just cart there. Like, fuck yeah. That, that would be so sick. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was relatable. Like seeing the, the amateurs between, you know, Peyton and, and, um, and Tom kind of relate to bad shots. And I think that you, you talked about when Phil was talking and, you know, the guys were talking about their shots. The best part was seeing uh, the amateurs line up putts or chips and have Tiger and Phil kind of like guiding them on, on what the best play is. Yeah, and yeah. that was a lot of what Phil did. And I, I think that like every time he would be like, you know, the ridge goes to the right, it's darker there. So it's going to be a little bit uh, slower because it's wet. You know, you, you, you want to hit it there. You want to skip it there. So it goes over the ridge and to the right, just stupid, you know, little things like that. And, and Tom would be like, yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Like, like seeing him being coached that when, when, Phil bombed the green and the back nine and hit the hit the par four green and one. Or I think they were actually just right off on the fringe. But when um, when uh, Tom made that eagle putt after their their whole going over what to do and the reaction there as a team was pretty dope. So um, yeah, I mean, dude, this this I we got to do this every year. I, I just I want to continue to do this. Yeah, uh, in the yeah, future. I mean, so uh, I I agree. It, it, I I hope that. Like I said, I, I don't know the logistics of actually incorporating microphones to a professional event. Uh, I, no, I, I don't see it ever happening on tour. I just remember when, um, you know, when I was working there, a lot of that stuff, it was, it was hard enough to get guys to get mic'd up, you know, during um, practice rounds. So, you know, I, I don't think it could happen. Maybe the thing that I think about is like a lot of teams do it in the all-star games. Um, if the tour were to have something that's like an all-star, I don't, it would be so tough in golf, but if you had something where it was like your top guys doesn't mean as much, you're screwing around, that's something that would be dope for it. So, um, but yeah. For the Augusta, the Augusta weekend when they. Maybe Augusta par three. (laughs) I mean, Masters a whole nother animal though. I, I just, you know, just between Augusta, the Masters, it's just so traditional and and it's really hard to get access i don't see that ever happening but that would be sick yeah no i mean it it was it was awesome and then to see the amount of money that was raised for Mm -hmm. covid relief like you you saw the magnitude of how many people were watching and i think uh it was like 5.8 million viewers and uh the most ever for a golf outing like ever ever is 6.3 million so like heads are watching this man and uh we talked about Especially it with no sports yeah no and and we talked about uh earlier on the pod before kevin came on with us just how starved we are for content and it's like if if we're all watching freaking peyton manning and phil mickelson and, and tiger just like bullshit events like imagine how real sports are going to be when they start to come back it the yeah. world might implode. it's going to be <laughs> just just wait till wait till you got a uh, nba finals stanley cup finals you got a 
I don't know month wise what would work out, but maybe you got like uh, the U.S. Open or right. you know all these at the same time. It's gonna be like, what do I do? What is happening? <laughs> There's and, so like, much going on. Even it's more like March Madness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be incredible. August it's like, Madness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree, man. It's like you're we're we're gonna be like through the roof, and with how so, the proposals are are being rumored for these sports leagues like the NBA it sounds like it's going to be just the top 16 teams uh not not really conferences involved is what uh, a report that i read today so like mm-hmm. for instance the raptors would play the grizzlies i think i yeah, saw yeah you just like, take away cuz they're all in one area you don't really yeah. need conferences <laughs> and and like the celtics could play the clippers in the second round of the freaking playoffs like that'd be this, so weird <laughs> this would be absolute madness and it's something that we need man so uh, two weekends in a row that golf is kicking it, uh, kicking it out of the park. And uh, it was awesome, man. Loved, loved watching it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I love it. And, you know, the PGA Tour comes, I think the date's June 11th. They come back um, the first majors July, maybe. I don't know. But I got to look. I, I forget. There's just so much, so yeah. many dates, different dates. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to watch tour events, um, you know, coming up soon. And, God, Tiger looks so great. His swing looks incredible. He looks his back looks perfectly fine and fused. He looks oh, he was piping it, striping his irons. Yeah, I I'm a Tiger. Here's my here's my here's my gamble. Here's Bush's best bets. Just put money on Tiger to win the Masters right now and don't (laughs) ask why. Boom. That's happening. that's a lit fam bet. If you guys uh, listen to our last episode, we're going to be doing a Bush's best bet segment every time that it's applicable. So this weekend. Yeah, this week there's really nothing besides going over last week. Uh, yeah. To bet on, but uh, when things come back, uh, the next opportunity, we have uh, a fam, a lit, and a lit fam are our three uh, sections. So fam is kind of like, ah, I'm going to throw money on it, whatever. Lit is like, I'm confident. Lit fam is essentially uh, easy money. So um, Tigers Club twirl over with his uh, <laughs> from last week. <laughs> and the, and the Omaha bet was just a fam. That was more or less just a fun bet. So yeah. But in general, Alex, if you listen to Alex's best bets, uh, you made a, a lot of money. I know I did. I, I took some of what he uh, provided us the the insight, and I I got some coin in my bank account too. My so we'll, <laughs> I think so. We're just going to spitball this right while we're on the podcast. Next week, I think NBA might not be officially like back back yet, but or like have any plan yet. But next week, I'm going to do some think about some futures for the NHL. So um, because, you know, there's going to be now there's going to be so many futures that are that are open back up pretty much now. So. Yeah. And, and uh, might not be relevant to the the betting side of things, but we're, uh, it's a good point to mention that. Uh, as these podcasts continue on, we're going to be touching on the live sports, but understanding that since we're still in that phase of no consistency with events. So we've been lucky to have two like major golf outings and uh, in, in a row <laughs> podcast and the last dance, but we're going to be getting this uh, kind of dry period. So what Bush and I are going to be doing is uh, maybe whether it's going in depth on a, NFL conference and really diving into uh, some teams that we like and don't like, or even more specific, our top five fantasy quarterbacks, uh, things like that. We're, we're going to be yeah, just opinionated kind of debating things. Yeah. Content and uh, it, it'll be a great opportunity for you guys that are following. I, I know our follower growth continue to continues to grow. Uh, the subscriptions on our platforms continue to grow and, the star review. So we appreciate all of that, but as more and more of you guys continue to uh, latch on to the talking sports A to Z train, uh, feel free to, to ping us with a tweet. Like, Hey guys, talk about your, your top five point guards in the NBA right now. Like any type of idea we're going to, we're going to flesh out. And if, it, if it's good enough and, and we're interested enough, we're, we'll definitely throw it on the pod. So talking yep. sports A to Z or sorry, talking sports A Z on all social media platforms. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Drew uh, Dash Zlogar, Z-L-O-G-A-R, and uh, Bush, you're just Alex Bush, right? Alex Bush, uh, 93. 
Bush Not liked Alex, the beer. Alex Bush, 93, liked the beer. He's always smashing beers, so it's par for the course. <laughs> Zillion beers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, uh, loved what Kevin had to say on the interview today. Um, NHL sprinkling back some uh, we're coming back talks. Um, it, it's good stuff, and I, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, what we had to talk about today. Yeah, the, just the last thing, you know, we'll we'll get into this next week, but we got a uh, a giveaway coming with a with a sponsor that's a friend of mine. Uh, always up to something, you know. Call and follow them on social. We're gonna do a giveaway starting next week. Um, that'll be fun, you know, to, to kind of collab with them. So, you know, that's coming soon. That's making moves, people. We're growing, baby, to the moon. Whether, whether you want to <laughs> believe it yet or not, we're making moves. Uh, a sponsor agreement coming, uh, merch coming potentially. Like we're we're making moves, and it's all thanks to uh, you guys listening and, and giving us the the confidence to continue doing this. So I know it's full steam ahead on my end. I think Bush, you can say the same. But we're uh, we're going to be grinding at this and and making sure that we're bringing you the best content possible on uh, on the airwaves. So we appreciate the support. We appreciate listening to episode seven here. And uh, until next week, um, continue on, man. This is, uh, this is a weird time and we're all trying to get through it. And uh, the little sports information that we have uh, is helping us get through. And we hope that it is for you too. So uh, we'll see you all uh, next week.